Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Okay, folks, welcome back to the Anthony Gordon Show. An interesting guest, and I think the discussion can go in a number of different directions. So Jason Drazen, who is the founder and the CEO of MarijuanaDoctors.com, and who's really taken a tremendous amount of time out uh, to become, if you will, the, the face of the alternative uh, medical market, understands uh, the medicinal side of cannabis and how that can be so accretive uh, to help people in a number of different ways. Before we went live, uh, uh, Jason and I were, were chatting, and what I was told Jason is it's very difficult uh, to have a conversation with anyone these days, you know, as hopefully we come to the end of this very tough, challenging pandemic who haven't been through pain, vicissitudes, very tough times, and people are turning to different uh, different ways to try and deal with the pain. And uh, one of one of the, the the substances de jour, if you will, um, has been cannabis. So here's it would be a good place to start. Jason, firstly, welcome to the Anthony Gordon Show. Thank you. You're doing terrific things and very interesting space. So for our listeners, I think here would be a terrific place to start. So we can sort of put this in, in, in context. Can you just give us a sense of the genesis of marijuana doctors, sort of how that swam into focus, um, how you developed this model, and what the, what the real thesis or the value proposition is? Because armed with that information, I think we can go on an interesting journey together. Sure. We started the company in about 2010. Um, where medical marijuana came about place in 2008 in California. And we noticed a lot of the doctors were violating certain medically zoned rules um, pertaining to their real estate, not really the drug allocation or drug enforcement agencies. And in order to create an online company that could later encompass an ecosystem for people to live and to understand from right. rules to regulations to laws and then how, how to gain access to these products and these state programs, um, we decided to build it more correctly um, and really trying to optimize for about 14,000 to 40,000 keywords and phrases that would allow someone to engage into this marketplace. So it was kind of like creating a blueprint before there was a blueprint to create that necessary funnel to allow patients to come into doctors and then provide doctors a turnkey set of tools that would allow them to automate and streamline this business into their pre-existing business whether that was for the reason of making ancillary income as insurances um, lapsed and gave a, you know, smaller co-pays, or it was because they were actually doing it to help their patients. So they had cancer patients. They felt sure. really good. So for multitudes of different reasons, we were able to develop the develop an infrastructure online that would almost be an everlasting style of an infrastructure, hopefully to allow us to one day live in an ecosystem where we could then facilitate the need for the patient to get the cannabis, which they were looking to consume based upon the diagnosis or condition and ailment that they had. Very, very fluent and very clear uh, artic you know, articulation of your, of your value proposition. So I always put myself into the shoes, if you will, of the listeners, and I can tell you what they're probably thinking right now. They're thinking the following. That there are still a number of folks out there that feel that there's a stigma attached to cannabis, that you know that there's uh, concerns about um, a you know are there are there any the kind of side effects that people are concerned about is that it has the again I want you to speak to this there's a notion that it causes people to become lackadaisical demotivates people that's one concern and the other concern I think is that again, whether this is true or not, someone like yourself would be the right person to dispel this. There are a lot of folks that believe 
that cannabis is a precursor or gateway, um, you know, to much more potent uh, drugs. I'm interested in, in your input and thoughts on, on both those points. I think alcohol is probably a larger gateway drug than is. That's true. Marijuana and medical marijuana. Someone has to go through a decent amount of hula hoops in order to get an ascertained medical marijuana. Um, you know, I think there's once you're involved in the dispensary world in the world of marijuana, there's different strains and marijuana ideologies that will get you to a different place. So some of them can cause you to be more lackadaisical or it would be taken at night and yep. benzodiazepine or a Valium or, um, uh, you know, any one of the typical sleeping aids that it's probably a more natural version, therefore of them, while there's other things that people could do during the day. And then, you know, and then variations of CBD, which would allow some of the psychedelic effects while kind of, you know, getting some of the benefits from what would have come from the medical marijuana plant without necessarily having that high, so to speak. Sure. In relation to a gateway drug, I don't think medical marijuana is necessarily for children unless it's, you know, if a child's having autism, like in the example of Charlotte's Web, you know, yep. they're, what they're also not telling you is that the life chance and the life opportunity and lifespan of those individuals is only a few years anyway. Right. Not to downplay it and not that that's not the most horrible of condition, but it, it does show you that, you know, you're, if you're taking something more severe for having 60 to 70 epileptic seizures a day, your, their quality of life isn't really great to begin with. Right. So it's providing a little bit of ease. And I don't think there's, you know, in every medication that's ever come out, whether you're looking at opioids or benzodiazepines, there's always been that element of, you know, pain relief to some degree. So sure. if that's providing more naturally without those toxins, then I believe it's a better option. Yep. You know, Jason, actually, this might have come up in one of our chats uh, before. Semantics are very powerful. As you probably know, there was a ton of money into a product called death insurance, it didn't sell, and they changed it to life insurance, and it's one of the biggest industries today in the world. It looks like the way you, your company is, seems to be positioned is that I see the word alternative medicine, unconventional medicine. Doesn't that carry the innuendo or the stigma of non-mainstream, which spooks people? Yes, it does, but at the same point in time, if the American government really wants to bank this product, they would first yeah. have a test for its safety and in order to do such a test they'd have to change the scheduling from a schedule one narcotic to a schedule two or three and yeah. what they're really just doing is mandating the amount of return um, the time whether it's 60 or 30 60 or 90 days that you would have to return to your doctor at which point the AMA and the MDA would come up with an ICE, a CPT code in order to have it reimbursed by insurances mm -hmm. so we built this company not only did we build it with a desire to maximize and come ahead of certain keywords and phrases, but we really designed it as an MSO. And most people sure. in the marijuana space refer to an MSO as a multi-state operator. It's really a medical servicing organization, which is the only true way that you can partner with and, and share fees with a physician. So this yeah. company was originally set up as a medical billing company. It has does electronic medical storage records on behalf of its patients. It has all of the notifications and contact messaging systems, scheduling components into it, uh, mm -hmm. telemedicine services. So we really did set this thing up to be an, ins an insurance backed and based business. And we believe that that's going to one day in the near future be how you, we have to run the business and such yeah. beyond being HIPAA compliant and high tech. Sure. Agreed. The, the, the fact that you focusing, which I think is a terrific thing. And I think that you, um, are adding tremendous value, which we'll get to uh, to a lot of people because it's, I think part of the role you play, Jason, um, your company plays is educational, is helping people understand uh, that perhaps, you know, maybe a lot of the, the, the notions and preconceived ideas and the stigma attached to marijuana and cannabis needs to be dispelled and that can be done through education. But it seems obviously the focus of your company is medicinal as opposed to recreational. Um, obviously that was done because uh, well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I assume because you wanted to help folks, um, you know, navigate through whatever their aches and pains are from, uh, in, in, in their, the medical way using uh, a cannabis. 
um, but and also be perceived as a, as a real solid accretive business as opposed to just a all, poor- all to be done in accordance with their you know primary care physician. So that was really the first thing that we looked for is how do we convert into getting their primary care physicians in order to be the doctors that do this. So they weren't quote unquote, like uh, recommendation mills as right. you see in the opioid clinics. Um, in addition to that, we put a strong concentration on the state laws and the ailments that pertain to each state that would allow you to get medical marijuana, which in the beginning of most programs is quite strict. They're mostly terminal ailments. And then over time, they allow for telemedicine and an easement, different conditions, really going down to chronic pain, um, fibromyalgia. Once they start having those, those are things that most people can qualify to in order to get the product. Um, we find a typical user comes back to the site about four or five times before beginning his transition to book an appointment with the medical marijuana physician. So they're really coming there to learn about the state laws or to learn about the laws and conditions that either may apply to themselves or, you know, their, um, their parent that they're caring for. Maybe less internet savvy. What, what kind of pushback, uh, Jason, did, did you sort of feel that you got primarily from, from, from the medical community? I mean, I, I would imagine there's still pushback. a lot of, I didn't get as much pushback as from, from the medical community as you would think as we did from the advertising and marketing community. Very Adver- surprising. Advertising and marketing this, we tried TV commercials, um, paid advertising, radio ads, Comcast. In the beginning, most of them all said no to us. Um, wow. Now they've lessened, but I think that's because there's less advertisers in the world and some of the mainstream things like billboards and things have less value after COVID. Right. So we had to concentrate on doing everything organically which meant we put a heavy concentration into content writers and really felt that that was like an everlasting investment and something that would always be out there and out in, into the web. So that's why I said in the beginning, we really concentrated on 14,000 keywords to optimize on the top search of Google for those keywords is the most referenced words for that would get somebody into the marijuana um, consortium. And then we also put up uh, continued medical education courses, CMEs, that's right. give doctors federal reimbursements, but also then the doctors were able to feel that the federal government was kind of giving them accreditation towards the understanding yeah. of how to work with medical marijuana. Once that came about, there was not a doctor um, that we've spoken to that really gave us very much pushback. Before we had that, we had a lot of the oncologists not feeling comfortable doing it themselves, but having heard that it works in certain right. areas, they would want a doctor that was close to them or they would actually look to see what doctors were in their network that were on our program and they would send everybody the doctor that they knew. Amazing. So we, I guess the few sentences I said before, before we went live and we spoke before the genesis of the Anthony Gordon show was really um, looking at pop culture, looking at a lot of folks that I speak to, you know, as a public speaker being out there and um, just my concern that a lot of, Folks are drinking proverbial cool aid, listening to whatever is being imparted on pop culture, which is which is not necessarily in their best interest at heart. I find to that end, I've, I have never, Jason, spoken to as many people in as much pain. The pandemic has crushed people financially, emotionally. It's taken a toll on relationships. A lot of pain out there. So the white elephant in the room, which I have to ask you, <clears throat> is that... When people are going through tough stuff, um, you know, people try and look at for various ways that they can alleviate the pain. And cannabis has become, you know, a uh, as you well put, it's a more popular, more uh, it's become a lot of the stigma has been dispelled. Can you give me a sense of um, how do you, how, if at all, you see a correlation between the the pandemic, the fact that people have been hunkered down. And more people turning uh, to cannabis or uh, alternative medicine. Well, marijuana, cannabis was deemed an essential business during the time of the pandemic. Right. Um, And most of the states, almost all 37 of them, allowed for telemedicine to take over even where they didn't have it. So providing HIPAA compliant telemedicine channels tied into scheduling with the reporting and and the EMR records really allowed the entire business to become streamlined for us right to the point that we are able to now serve a patient their 
physician um, through a telemedicine channel and immediately after we're able to connect them to a bud tender where they can do for they can prepare to have the conversation about the particular cannabis they're looking for for either an in-store pickup curbside pickup or actually a delivery which most states also have so i think the laws and the pandemic itself because of giving people access to remote access more appropriately stated it really streamlined and pushed the industry a year or two ahead of where it would have yeah. It's regulatory had it not been, you know, I think people are less concerned with medical marijuana than they are with the understanding that medical marijuana can be prescribed over telemedicine, where it seems very, very streamlined. And, um, you know, it's a straight line to exactly what you need. There's, there's no more, you know, hula hoops to jump through. So you can click right to our website and, you know, hit speak to a doctor now, so to speak. Um, We termed it MD prime, you know, really going after, know kind of the way people were getting used to shopping on amazon where they wanted a prime delivery and they wanted it within 24 hours so we're able to deliver those products now instantaneously to the consumer whereas we never could and booking into a physician's schedule is hectic yeah sure certain days in the or certain days in their surgery centers so they have emergencies in the middle of their afternoon and their beeper goes off um so there was a lot of juggling of schedules now that no longer seems to be a problem do you think Telemedicine is here to stay. Yes. And do you think that um, <clears throat> that I guess the pandemic just expedited the 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 you know the inevitable. Yeah, I mean, I think pretty soon you're going to see Instacart for medical marijuana. That's great. So that's interesting. So let me let me come back then a little bit to putting this in, in context. What does a guy like yourself grew up with? Um, it sounds like. What are your parents' doctor? Um, seems like the, the, the easier road would have, would have been for you to pursue. It sounds like your family involved in real estate, but you took the road less traveled. Why did you make a left and not a right? I mean, the the easy way would have just be, you know, if you're, if there's an existing, uh, sort of family business, which is a friend in about 2008, a friend got me involved in an investment opportunity to invest in one of the original um, pre-ICOs, which was one of the original medical marijuana licenses out in California. And this is 2008. <laughs> and, you know, when looking at the bottleneck of the problem in the operation, it seemed that we were turning away a lot of people. Right. Um, crazy for being in West Hollywood in a storefront that, you know, being able to sell medical marijuana, and we weren't able to get anyone into the door. And that's because people didn't really know that they needed a medical card. We then looked into what some of the doctors were doing in the local area with street signs and what have you not. And from the other side of my family growing up in real estate, I know about medical zone buildings and the restrictions and coming. So rather than trying to build a doctor's office, which was our first thought um, and how we partnered with one and realizing all of the layers of red tape and laws that we may somewhat have been violating had we gone down that road, mm-hmm. Easier to provide those tools and functionality and then create the search, the demand in the marketplace for such. So in the beginning, we were just referring people right back to the computer site that we went to and then found a couple of local doctors who are both compassionate to the industry and, you know, a little bit more cutting edge to, to, to the effect. Plus in California, it's been pretty mainstream for a long time. So I think the yeah, company, for sure. as opposed to starting in a place like New York, was yeah. very, very difficult. Who, who, who are your main competitors? You can, you can either give me specific names or, or, or you know, generic, like when you, who are you bu- bu- bunny heads with? We don't really have very many competitors in our space because we are not a recommendation mill or a franchise for doctors as certain other people have tried to come into this business for. They really pay us for the digital footprint. So most of the large chains out there, I'd say every single one except for maybe one chain, um, which I don't recall the name of exactly. I know it was on a target list of one of my sales guys to close that. <laughs> They're all advertisers within our network. So I don't really have very much competition in the medical space. In the helping people find a dispensary space, there is a little bit of competition from your weed maps and from sure. these strains in this world. But our funnel is pretty captive. So, you know, I'm bringing a patient, 
educating them on the laws, getting them to their physician. And then if I'm able to serve them the nearest dispensaries and opportunities around them, which is no different than going to your physician and him telling you, here's three MRI centers. He can't actually have sure. in one of those MRI in the units because he's getting such a high level of insurance kickback. Sure. An orthopedist would send every one of his patients in for an MRI if he could, if he owned the MRI clinic, but it's illegal. So we're providing that same opportunity, but there's really nowhere for Leafly or Weed Maps to get into our funnel because we've both educated the patient, gotten them the prescriptions that they needed, and then turned them on to the areas in which they can fulfill them. So walk me through how that, just so, uh, so that our listeners can really understand the sequence of events. So David Kaplan lives in Cleveland, Fill in the blank. Acute back pain. Guy's going nuts. Walk me through how David Kaplan learns about, you know, how "quote unquote" your portal becomes a conduit to the, the solution, or is it the other way around? He goes to his doctor, and his doctor suggests you guys. Just, just so I understand the chronology of events. Come from a myriad of sources, but ultimately all goes into the same funnel. Okay. He needed to be searching for online a way to help his acute back pain. Okay. And out that you know medical cannabis is found to work for you know seeing a frequency of people that it worked for he could have a discussion with his doctor who can recommend it to him or he can heard it from word of mouth from a friend either way he's then going to go online and do a little bit of his own research in which terms he's going to find our website in the, the highest rank the first place in google under those search terms whether he's looking for for acute pain in cannabis you know a cannabis doctor or a marijuana doctor near me um, or he puts in his zip code and puts in medical marijuana. Those are three things that we would definitely look to, uh, to be highly optimized for in his area. I'm not exactly sure Ohio was the best example because Ohio has medical marijuana. <laughs> I was going to say. Oklahoma, we would have the, you know, the means and the wherewithal to get him to see that doctor. Um, he would then go onto the site and upload his medical records that the doctor would have the opportunity to review to decide if this is a candidate and a patient that he feels comfortable seeing. Okay. If, within his medical practice. I mean, you know, um, an oncologist is not going to want to see a patient with acute back pain. Right. Um, but he would take on with cancer for the lower right. back. Um, so into that funnel, they then choose to accept the patient and they tell, you know, tell the patient whether, you know, they, they would then have the patient would then after being accepted, have access to the physician's calendar where he can either see the see the physician immediately if he was available on demand through telemedicine, or he can pick two times and dates into the doctor's schedule. The content management system would then send out a series of emails, text, text messages, and push notifications to the mobile app in the event that they were using one. Okay. Um, and set and stage and keep the reminder at the appointment. There's also in-house customer service that would do follow-up in order to make sure that the patient does come. That stigma is actually one of the ones that is true of marijuana patients that they are 50 50 on whether or not they will make the appointment or really they bail out at the last minute or they were doctor shopping and they found a doctor that was either cheaper or closer <laughs> most people we find that once they get to the doctor's search queries they are looking for a difference between time distance review and price and price is mainly the typical driver so just again i hope this is not an out of line question to sort of understand the economics, what's your business model? Uh, you, I think what you do is terrific. I think it's a phenomenal service because I think the way you do it. At this time right now, it's a SaaS model. It's a SaaS model. Doctors pay a monthly subscription and we give them the whole kit and do it over free. Uh, so, well, it comes at a price, but they get all of the independent services and marketing that they need for the same price of their monthly subscription. And I assume it's a, a, it's a spectrum. They can have the, the gold, silver, or bronze uh, sort of program. Was it one shoot? Generally runs from like $99 to $2,500. Wow. That's, uh, that's, it seems to be extremely low that. We tried to be extremely compassionate to the industry. You know, a lot of the doctors who first tried doing this and were the compassionate ones, unfortunately, were the ones who didn't have the best practices, yeah. had the need to have new um, patients returning to them. And luckily for us, we don't really concentrate because when you asked about a competition, because we're not talking about the different types of strains on a daily basis and what are the best strains and yeah. we don't touch upon those subjects, but it's not the core focus of our site. Neither is sure. deal or finding the closest dispensary with the daily deal in your area. We find that our typical consumer and patient is 60% female and from really from the ages of about 45 to 80. 
Wow. These people are not so computer savvy to begin with. Um, and this is a very new nuance to them, whereas the younger generation, you don't really have to tell them. I mean, if you and I are talking about medical marijuana, you know, the 18 to 21 year olds, they already know how to get it if they need to. I'm sure it can be difficult for them to find a doctor that's willing to sign that recommendation. But now with recreational marijuana, uh, that's a little different. Now, most interesting thing is that the highest medical, the highest marijuana consumers in general are okay. 18 to 21, and recreational greed doesn't start till over the age of 21. So, for that reason, again, we find that the even in a place like Colorado, the largest consumers are medical consumers with purple cards because they're 18 to 21 years old. Which actually begs an interesting question I thought of, um, Jason, and that is: aren't there a bunch of people out there that are self-medicating? that are using recreational marijuana either to alleviate anxiety, stress, stress, it's a plethora of issues. Yes, when you really get involved in medicine and you understand mixed drug interactions, not saying that most of them probably don't have a shaman, <laughs> and <laughs> they're definitely not talking to actual medical physicians about what are the other, you know, if you have migraines or you have, I mean, migraines, someone's probably going to a doctor. If you have problems going to sleep, and you're taking other medications, marijuana becomes significantly more potent and dangerous at that point. So you would not want those mixed unless a doctor was allowing you access while slowly trying to wean you off the other. Because of the, the, the contraindications? Correct. Let me, let me pivot for a sec, because we've had a discussion you and I had was um, was in the context of someone that, you know, as a, as a former NFL uh, athlete, I'm interested in your thoughts on, firstly, the uh, cannabis and how it can be accretive uh, to a lot, a lot of the ailments that professional athletes go through, and whether you think that the, you know, the current sport, major sports leagues are comfortable yet with the idea of, instead of what, quote-unquote, the conventional uh, route that the athletes are getting involved in CBD, et cetera. You, you know, you, you seem to have your finger on the pulse, and I think that our listeners are very, very you know, very sports-oriented, so I'm interested in your thoughts. The UFC and the NBA have now allowed for medical marijuana to be, and to be tested for, and they're not, you're not going to lose your contracts, whereas in football, you will. So football players probably only have access to certain CBD products, well, I believe the NHL, the NBA, and the UFC have all now allowed for medical marijuana. That's quite a So you're saying the NFL is still lagging behind? Mm -hmm. And that's mainly because you need the players in the association. Um, but, and they do everything through insurance. So I don't think right. that I was really going to be there until they have such things as insurances. And, you know, that will come with clinical trial studies that, you know, show them that this is 100% effective because... You know, those are their gladiators, so to speak. And yeah, exactly. I mean, they are the game. You know, yeah. outside of the outside of the TV network and the advertisements that go on, they actually need those players there. You know, you don't exactly want to let someone be high running into each other, getting concussion. <laughs> yeah, right. So I, I think that they're going to have to do. You know, whether they allow people to medicate after, figure out how they could guarantee that someone is of sound mind when they're playing the sport. Sure. Or capable of playing the sport under what drives you jason i mean I'm, i get a sense i'm you know looking at some background on you before we did the show that's a great business i think there's a there's a there's definitely a benevolent overtone of genuinely helping people i don't didn't pick up in my research on you that you're giving the middle finger to medicine and saying you know you guys the conventional route doesn't have the answer to anything you know um here's another has another way to help people. What really keeps you passionate, gets you up in, and, and you know, it's not easy launching a company uh, and it's, and there's a, you know, it's a lot of bumps in the road. So there's, there's got to be. We want it to be backed by physicians. We wanted physicians to adopt this into their typical toolbox. And we wanted to provide all the necessary tools in order to allow a doctor to adopt it in free mind and thought and spirit of wanting to aid and become part of this program. So that's really what the constant struggle has always been. And it's having to build and adapt to all the nuances of medicine so that they have everything. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the doctors will end up coming to us asking for things which they typically couldn't get from other companies. Okay. We could squeeze them into their, you know, 
fruitful of offerings that we were handing them out to them. Like in the beginning of this company, we never had a desire to be an electronic medical storage record facilitator on behalf of physicians. For most persons, I have to store these records for 10 years, even after the doctors go out of business. So it just became a passion of trying to fit within their mold and adopt to the way that they did medicine, as opposed to how I may have thought it was going to start in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Over time, we built up such good relationships with doctors. It, it became fun to work with them to some degree. I mean, they were we were they were answering our questions as we were providing the tools and technology they needed to streamline their business. So it was a very fruitful relationship for both parties. I feel is the fact that um, is the fact that because of the complexity of medical insurance, definitely uh, you know has constrained some of the uh, you know the amounts of revenue that doctors are getting you're now offering them another stream of revenue as well. And they love that. I'm not. I would imagine that's a, that's a, a very attractive part of it. It's what, it's what put a lot, it's what put this in the idea of a lot of people that and the idea that taking understanding medical marijuana and understanding that there were continued medical education courses. Most doctors, all doctors actually have to take CME accreditations in order to work with them. Right. So the fact that they could get to do one that's not so boring as their typical stuff yeah. Also, once we started creating our own CMEs, we also used that as the lead list to figure out which doctors would then want to, you know, I mean, it's like you just paid to have the course. Would you like to pay the, you know, subscription fee and actually make an ROI? Exactly. <laughs> so if, if, if money wasn't an obstacle, someone backed up the truck and says he has $150 million, where, where would you want to be with uh, this, your brainchild and this concept three, five years from now? to be building an ecosystem where we could sell the particular strain of medical marijuana that was working for the condition, the ailment or the disease that somebody had with all the clinical trial information and research and studies done so that we could both speak very clearly to both the physician as well as the patient that this is the right product for them and it's available here and now. So in getting there, who are the major have to go into lobbying. So the last part of going to just repeat that? So a lot of that money may have to go into lobbying. <laughs> I, would right have, I would absolutely imagine it would have to go into lobbying. What, who are the major naysayers, Jason? Who's the major pushback? Because they're, 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 I think they're going to be headwinds along the way. Because um, Pharmaceutical companies. I was going to say, isn't, it, isn't if I worked now for you know, a major pharmaceutical company, you take you cannibalizing my revenue, number one, and number two, indirectly, they're losing market share. But isn't that I agree with you? But aren't you also sending a subliminal message to the, the consumers uh, of Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson, whatever, to say, one second, synthetic drugs, um, certain lab made drugs, certain things that are now bought on the shelves, uh, have side effects. Cannabis is a natural plant, isn't that a? Isn't the idea of not only are you eating their lunch, but you you're starting to put a different question in the minds of the of the consumer and questioning their buying habits of of anything that they whenever they walk into a pharmaceutical. Yeah, you're bringing people more into the alternative world of yeah, you know, no different than you see now. There's a million different kinds of you know, bread offerings from gluten-free to whole wheat, you know, you, you no longer, you no longer have just your regular wonder bread that was pushed off the shelf at one point. I definitely think that you're taking away their market share by offering a safer alternative with much less side effects and no toxicity. That's a major advantage that they have. Um, Now there's tons of other, you know, plant-based medications that once somebody gets into medical marijuana, they might start looking into like ashwanga instead of taking certain variances on mushrooms or even other psychedelics that would help them all which are safer than the alternative. Is there any concern, Jason, um, as uh, sort of speaking to my team before we, before uh, the show started, like the kinds of concerns, the questions, is there any concern that there are many folks out there, especially in the environment they're in right now, tough times, pain, stress that will learn to say the right things will learn to present symptoms in a certain way to their, their doctor 
so that they can become the beneficiary of, you know, whatever the, the medicinal cannabis. But really what they're doing is they're self-medicating or they're using it as a quasi-recreational drug. There definitely are those people, but you have those people in the pharmaceutical world too. That's true. So, you know, the people, there are always people who are searching for a high of some sort. Yep. That person may very well be an addict. And that's really why we say that this is to be done in conjunction with the doctor so that we can, so that the doctor and a medical expert can determine who's an addict yep. in need of these medications, who's abusing these medications. You know, they should be running regular tox reports on these patients to see if there's any mixed drug interactions. You certainly wouldn't want to continue giving someone who's on large amounts of opiates and benzodiazepines sure. into their system, you know, unless you were using marijuana to wean them off of those systems. So I definitely feel that there is a small percentage of people who are probably abusing the system, but I think that that happens in sure. every, um, anyone can go to a street drug dealer and get almost anything that they want. If it's going to get you high, so to speak, I think that comes down to a pill to marijuana to any other variants on a drug. But I don't feel that people who are taking the time to go to their actual medical doctor and go to a medical dispensary and pay, the, and even if there's some taxes, and in medical marijuana, there's less taxes than are in recreational marijuana, but these users are still doing it in guidance with the doctor. So I think that you have a more mature user. At sure. that. So here, here's a few questions that I try and ask every single guest. Um, don't mean to put you on the spot, but I think this will be helpful to our listeners and, and frankly, it might cause you also to, to dig deep and, and uh, you know, think about things that uh, you might have uh, you know, thought of before. If you had a TED talk and you knew it was going to crush it, it was going to go viral, there's going to be 30 million, 18 minutes, what would be the, the, the topic you would want to address and what's the message you want to tell the world? how alternative and plant-based medications are the safer means of medicating. And that there's hundreds of different kinds that can replace the typical pharmaceutical medications that we know about. And most of them can be grown in your own backyard and we have access to very easily. And really to concentrate and to ask the secondary question to answer your question with a question, which is kind of rude, but you know, to ask yourself why those opportunities haven't been presented to you. And what stands in front of them, preventing them, as you asked me, who my biggest competition was. And I think you'd find that those very same companies are the answer to that question as well. I think you're 100% correct. I do think a huge vested interest of mainstream pharmaceutical companies uh, doing everything to derail your success. There's no question. What I would be interested in getting your thoughts on is, do you think we're at a point in terms of the, the advances uh, in medicinal uh, cannabis where we can start sharing data with potential consumers that is empirical or is it still anecdotal? It's still anecdotal because the empirical scientific data hasn't been allowed in this, in this country because of its scheduling. Now, if you go to places like Canada, Israel, yep. uh, Italy, they have empirical data, which would disprove the American um, Scheduling. Now, I don't think it's in Israel's greatest interest to come out against America while we're helping yep. them, you know, and say that, oh, their FDA is out of their minds. Right. Um, you know, I, I think if people do the research, they can look to those two countries and find very easily that it works. I mean, the simplest thing is to call, you know, what we're talking about are cannabinoids. And right. Robert Mishulam, who first found that the entire human body is an endocannabinoid system. So mm -hmm. cannabinoids wouldn't work with an endocannabinoid system. It's like, I mean, it's, it's, it's a basis of science. For sure. I, 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 as I speak to you and I'm a, you know, I'm, I also come from a family with a number of doctors. Um, I, I, you know, I've been around because of my involvement in Israel and, and uh, because of what I do, I'm being around the medical part of Mar uh, the cannabis space. I'm, and obviously I've seen very uh, clear uh, proof of the advantages but Jason, let's face it, and I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm here with you. I'm an ally. I'm going to help you in any way I can. But these pharmaceutical companies have very deep pockets, very deep pockets. And it's money. And this is the core of capitalism. And we all know many stories of, uh, you know, certain things that never quite made it to the shelf. Um, 
so what is what is I think the cat's out of the bag on this one, but I, I think do, you're right. I do think in the near future, as it becomes more acceptable, you'll be seeing them slowly taking their more toxic brands and just mixing them with CBD to start. I was going to say to you, being able to market that on the shelves because it doesn't cost them anything while they really play around with the R and D. Um, you know, Peter Thiel just invested in a company called compass in um, the United kingdom, which mm -hmm. looking at psilocybin mushrooms. And they've realized now that the synthetic variations of the human mind, there's zero difference. And their company has a couple hundred million dollar valuation right now. And that's definitely created with the identity that they were going to go right to the pharmaceutical world with their synthetic and license it. And that's really the beginning of seeing that, you know, the psychedelics are now looking at medical marijuana and looking at all of the pitfalls and the hardships that it's had over the last 20 years and they're streamlining it right before they even bring it to market. So they're doing for now what they've done with psilocybin and ketamine. They've been able to do in one year what it took 20 years to do for medical marijuana. They know the exact routes to go through, who to bring it to first, how to bring it to them, as opposed to, you know, every mom and pop running to see if they could make, you know, put the shovel in the ground on this one and claim their little piece of land and territory. I mean, since you've sort of just touched on topic speak speak to me for a second jason about i think it's a it's a subsidiary or the trip of the company that you were talking about before we went live we just came out with a company called tripsitter clinics Tripsitter. where we do the same service for medical marijuana as we're doing for um, ketamine and ketamine both works for antidepressants to um, take away the needs of drugs like wellbutrin as well as it binds to every one of the molecules in your receptors to make it so that you would not go through withdrawal symptoms mm -hmm. And over the first of the two weeks, you would not have a need after taking ketamine beyond the release of dopamine to make you feel a little bit better to run after benzodiazepines or opiates or even heroin. So, and we found that obviously doctors who had a willingness and an understanding to sell CBD, to write marijuana recommendations, these were kind of the first doctors who were willing to take the first step in looking at some of the other alternatives and having a network of thousands of those doctors, we were able to quickly bring another quote unquote, psychedelic drug to market very, very quickly. Now, ketamine is also legal, which most people don't know. Right. So it's a pharmaceutical drug. Um, it's just never really been taken this way before. It was really more of a horse tranquilizer in the beginning. But if you ask, I think, the average American, you said the word psychedelic drug, they're going to say, you know, LSD, whatever that has been popularized in pop culture. Thinking about Woodstock and Alice in Wonderland, um, there may be more of a need for education, but most yeah. of the people who begin using medical marijuana for medicinal purposes, they're already on the ra on, on, on the pathway to studying and reading books that talk about the other plant-based alternative medications. And, you know, we don't really touch it or deal with it, but uh, one of the larger trends right now is ayahuasca retreats and things of that nature to heal people uh, mentally. So, you know, now psilocybin has become legal in eight different medical avenues in Canada. So we're starting to see it popping up all over the world. Speak to that for a second. That's very fascinating. Um, what do, can you drill down a little bit? Because again, I, psychedelic, people think, one second, is this guy saying that in order to alleviate, in order for me to throw away my Prozac, I need to call Jason and hit him up for mushrooms? It would probably work. But <laughs> yes, that's where we hope it would go in a, few, in, a, in a few years from now, not to call to myself personally, but definitely to one of our companies. And under all of that, we do have, you know, it's not like you're just being handed the psychedelic and it's like, here, here you go, take it in. I'm sure can go run around naked um you're you're really doing it where a doctor is then assigning you a nurse practitioner that sits with you for 90 minutes on a skype channel where you know they're they're, they're telling you how to do it putting on specific music and watching you through the experience where if anything goes wrong they're the ones who are calling the police and telling them you're on time sure. getting you the help that you would need okay so let's let, let's just let's draw the camera back a little bit uh, as we do uh with all of our guests and say the following this is taking a ton of your time, Jason, and I'm a body language guy and I'm a very visceral guy and I'm, I'm looking at you here in the virtual studio and your passion, your sincerity is, is pretty evident, right? So this is definitely something that you're on a mission. My question is the following. 
this is going to take years of your life. This is going to take hundreds of hours. And it's going to be part of your legacy. So when you turn 95 and the chocolate cake comes out with 95 candles on it and the boom microphone comes out and your significant other is on your left, kids are around you, your buddies are around you, people have been played the most important part of uh, your life journey and they're wishing you happy birthday. Hopefully I'll be invited. What do you, what do you want them to say about you? That we took the path less traveled and, you know, did years worth of work to get there against a lot of odds and bottlenecks in the road. Okay. So the flip side of the same question would be the following. If you could choose anyone on the planet, present company excluded, dead or alive to have half an hour one-on-one time with, who would that person be? Oh, Elon Musk. I'd ask him how to do it better. Who? To who? I said, Elon Musk. I'd ask him how to do it better. That's awesome. That's what you'd ask him? Yeah. It's interesting that you say it because we were just talking about this in another context. Do you think the average person sees a person like Elon Musk as a, as, as, as a genius, as a nutcase, as a mixture? A mixture. Yeah. But he's a very successful one. Phenomenally successful. He, and he hails from the same country as me, so I'm biased. The difference between sanity and insanity is a measure of its success. That's great. That's great. What do you enjoy doing? What do you have, I don't know, about equal passion besides, you know, the, this is the marijuanadoctor.com. How do you spend non-vocational, non-business time? What, what uh, I don't know if there's balance in your life, but what do you, what do you enjoy doing? You know, who do you, like, who do you enjoy hanging with? I enjoy going to the beach. And when you sit in front of a computer all day, it's nice to have a different set of scenery. So we, we I mean, without, uh, you don't have to disclose geographically, you are in Florida, right? You say I moved to Miami like the rest of the country. That lived <laughs> where, where exactly? Not where exactly, what city? Miami. So I would imagine, oh, well, ocean does wonders in terms of one's thinking, tranquility, just perspective. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And where's the, where's the company based? And I guess the question that I want you to share with our listeners is if they, if they want to learn more about the company, you know, what's the URL? Where do they check out the company? It's just marijuanadoctors.com. The company was started in New York and we had a heavy telephone system and sales training systems. But after COVID hit, we kind of had to take that all down and realizing that most of our company were coders and content writers and marketers. It was something that we could very easily streamline in a um, stay at home scenario. It made it a little bit harder to do sales and training, but then again, you know, working at a six foot distance with masks, trying to sell through a telephone and train other people was almost impossible to do anyway. So after a year of not, you know, having that, we've pretty much made our systems pretty proficient and figured out different ways, thanks to systems like Zoom and contacts and things of that nature. So I, I, let me end the show by saying the following. Um, I did a lot of public speaking and I spoke earlier this week and for the second i think it's at best two or three times in my entire life i've told the story publicly when i was mid-20s graduated from harvard law school had an amazing amazing job i guess the whole world was at my feet um perhaps god had different ideas in mind and you know need, needed perspective humbling whatever it is and so i was misdiagnosed with cancer mid-20s and between the phone call that i fielded with a with a potentially potentially sinister outcome until the definitive diagnosis, which was benign, was about 24 days. So that changed my entire life. I mean, contemplating meeting your maker and contemplating what's on the other side of the curtain, unless you are a psychopath, it's going to change your perspective. I happen to be one of the fortunate ones because it did turn out to be benign. But I spent some time in... Uh, NYU in the cancer ward, and I spent some, I spent some time obviously um, in this whole headspace. Thank God I, I I was one of the fortunate ones, but there's a ton of people that uh, it wasn't benign, and and you know I saw, and I've counselled a number of folks that struggled through cancer, so I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of a lot of people that that say that it's phenomenal, Jason. The work that you do is amazing. If you can help alleviate uh, angst, medical pain in a way that's you know, not going to be toxic and a shock to the system, 
be helping to educate doctors and the public alike uh, as to the medicinally creative uh, benefits of, mer of medical marijuana, I think is fantastic. And I think that um, I think that it's a very bold and courageous thing that you're doing because a lot of people, you know, look at things that they want to achieve in their life and they see the 800 pound gorilla being huge pharmaceutical companies and they say, no, 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 I, I, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, be, I'll go to law school. That's fine for me. But I think that, that you, you're taking a courageous step. Um, I think the outcome is that indirectly, I think you're helping a ton of people. So uh, I want to wish you continued success. Thank you. Um, you know, and, and hoping that through uh, disseminating this show and uh, whatever the ancillary ways that we get the word out, that that'll be a creative for doctors to learn about you, the work that you do. Um, and seriously, I'm wishing you tremendous success and you should continue to touch the heart and souls of tens of thousands of people. Thank you. And check him out. Check out marijuanadoctors.com. Uh, I'm not a betting man, but if I was a betting man, um, I would say that five years from now, chances are that uh, Jason and his company will be hopefully very much a mainstream part of the psyche of the medical world. Uh, and I'm hoping that at least what I see from a distance, some of the big farmers are starting to have the perspective that if you can't uh, beat them, join them and that you'll, there'll be a way that uh, you can benefit from that. Excellent. Thank you so much. Jason, thank you for your time. Jason Drazen, ladies and gentlemen, thanks once again. Until next time, this is Anthony Gordon. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.